Yo, 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 what's up, my man? What's up, what's up, man? Everything good? Oh, absolutely, man. Nice I'm to even... your voice, man. The same to you, man. I'm even better now when I have you here on the screen, which I won't show in the <laughs> final product. But hey, at least you're going to hear your voice, though. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to in... start by introducing yourself a little bit quickly? Absolutely. So. Um... I'm Robert, um, Robert Alenius from Finland, um, a psychology student. I know Johan from Aberdeen, we studied together. He just happened to graduate and I'm still stuck here. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a pattern now. All my guests are from Aberdeen, so maybe I should just like change his name to the Aberdeen podcast or like <laughs> Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> current or post university student podcast <laughs> talking it. about talking about how gray and uh, rainy Aberdeen is <laughs> it's for the strong man only the strong survive <laughs> <laughs> and I think strong is definitely a word I would use to describe you uh, yeah I have a few things I want to talk to you about but I want to like just dive into the whole corona lockdown situation. Do you care to explain what, what's going on up there in Scotland at the moment? Well, it's a little complicated. Um, you get a lot of different um, regulations set by different institutions. By institutions, I mean the Scottish government obviously has their own, own policies and then each of the companies regulates their own policies for their own employees and and then the university obviously does the same for the students um out of these ones i think the university is taking the the most um the, the hardest approach um you see as students we're not supposed to meet it meet each other from outside our own households that um we were going through a nice little um, isolation period here that's that's in in short what's happening so um, yeah we, we we've been threatened with um, um, being being expelled from the school if we if we meet people from other households I think they they're, they're not playing around I must say that uh that the additional restriction that the uni is putting on you guys is quite unreal. I mean, especially considering that they named themselves to be a very liberal and humane institution. <laughs> and here we are <laughs> having a witch hunt yeah. on their fellow, their own students, basically. Well, well, initially they, they invited all the foreign students, uh, all, all the international students back to Aberdeen. And I think their take was that they need, the Scottish economy absolutely needs all of us internationals here. Because obviously the, the accommodations, all the university halls, and uh, let's face it, the private accommodations as well. Um, all that money goes to the Scottish economy. And if you, if you all of a sudden take out of all the big Scottish universities, if you take all the people and just uh, all, all the, additional revenue that 
flows straight into the heart of Scotland and the Scottish economy. Um, that's a big blow for these people. So obviously, uh, they they want us here, but now now they're like, don't 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 go full Corona at us. So two things there. <clears throat> Firstly, you're definitely paying attention to your econ and business classes. I <laughs> I can I can hear that. <laughs> you elaborated. Uh, uh, walkthrough of why they're bringing back you guys. So what you're saying is that is this something that is this something that goes on all across Scotland, or is this like an Aberdeen only initiative? Um, are you talking about the um, the, uh, the as the I call it? Yeah, yeah, as I call it, the witch hunt. The forced Students. isolation. Um, yeah. The forced isolation is currently, as I know. Um, I, I only know of Aberdeen Uni taking taking part in this. Um, we have another university or a polytech in Aberdeen, which way you want to look at it. Robert Gordon University allows people to meet uh, as long as they're uh, mindful of the, the social distancing. So as, as long as you can keep a distance of, of two meters, um, six feet, you'll be fine and, and you should wear a face mask inside. Um, so so they're, they're a lot more liberal when it comes to Corona regulation. But yeah, Aberdeen University is uh, quite, quite strict. So I assume you're not going to be a high, you're not going to be a, you, you, you're not going to be an alumni who donates a lot of money to, to the university after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends, it depends, but uh, currently I'm just worried about my own education here. Um, I certainly don't think that I'm, I'm getting most of it, um, most, most out of it as, as, as I could. But it's, it's simply because all the lectures are online and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to get everything out of this uh, psychology lab uh, content. When, when you actually can't do everything on campus. Yeah, no, I get that. And obviously, me living in Sweden, we pretty much have the softest Corona rules in the entire world, don't we? So yeah. it's quite easy for me to... It comes to... with certain benefits, I'd say, yeah, but it's, it's also risky. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's, but... it's certainly... Yeah. yeah, no, I, I think um, when, it, when, you, when you're solely looking at the like studying aspect, you, you people in Sweden are definitely at an advantage. And I, I, I feel that this is strongly going to impact this, uh, the, the universities within the whole United Kingdom um, and potentially even their ranking in the in the next year's ranking i wonder i'd like to know what the university ranking is going to be next year but it's probably not going to be too sunny to to scotland i mean university of aberdeen is i think for the past few years have been priding themselves for climbing up into the top 100 universities in the world and they're constantly releasing the rankings where they yeah maybe climbed one or two 
spots on you know medicine or business but yeah no definitely i think this will probably have some some effects on those rankings but that is i guess that's just a prediction or a guess really yeah i wonder probably probably um the medicine is probably not going to be negatively affected by this um they have a lot of research going on but yeah hey that's it all the all the social sciences however not so sunny man yeah no i get yeah no uh, yeah i get that but okay i'm not gonna make this uh, into a corona episode but i was just uh, curious to hear your take on it and i think it's uh, quite interesting for some of the listeners to also hear what what's going on in scotland because obviously getting the threat of exp- i mean expulsion from the university by the university itself is i think <laughs> quite uh, uh extraordinary and I, I don't think that's uh, a regular initiative across the board yeah they certainly shocked us a little bit <laughs> with that email that we got in the in the internet messaging but yeah it is what it is you deal with whatever you you face in life and um i had the choice of staying in finland and i i chose to come here um finland's actually very very liberal with corona situation right now um i haven't been following too much but it seems not not too far from the the sweet swedish stance the finnish government is taking yeah i guess we are more closely related both uh, political, political, economical, and also cultural, than we might uh, tell ourselves, especially the Swedes. I think <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't really want to recognize our strong ties with the Finns. <laughs> <laughs> neighbors will always be neighbors. That's very true. Uh, but I think what you just said now is a nice segue into what I want to talk about next, because you never strike me as a guy who does things easy but i take the, <laughs> take the easy way out of things so yeah and also i mean couple that with the fact that you are quite the adventurer do you want to give a little backdrop of like maybe how your adventurous sort of persona developed and then we can go into some of the things you actually have done or quests well i wonder um that's actually a very very good question um yeah um i've i've always been more into well questioning my surroundings and uh not really taking everything for its face value um i i suppose i get bored very easily and for that very reason um just just accepting everything as it is has never really been my thing um yeah when it comes to adventuring <laughs> i actually hate that word but uh <laughs> no no there's so many adventurers <laughs> in the current world man um but yeah yeah um yeah i i suppose my first big adventure was when when i graduated high school i just left for a hitchhike trip and and uh, went in a month from from 
essentially Finland to, to Istanbul. And I, I went hitchhiking solo. My friend just literally, he, he bailed on me. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to give up on this, this trip just because one friend doesn't want to go. So I went solo and yeah, um, that was quite the trip. Then I, I suppose I just, I just had to make most of it. And I don't think I was alone for a single day during that trip. I, I always met people and obviously since since you hitchhike you 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 end up um, you you get to know the people a little bit who who pick you up and uh, lots of cultures in Europe tons of cultures tons of different languages um, I went the Eastern European tr uh, route so I went through the Balkan um, and followed down um, and uh, Poland, Czech Republic, um, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Montenegro, um, the Firom, um, Greece, and then from Greece to Istanbul. And then I had to fly back. So I went to spend a couple of days in Ukraine as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, after that, it's been, it's been a hell of a hoot. Um, came to Aberdeen later on after military and, um, obviously I started thinking about actually making some money and I was like, okay, where, where can I make money? And then my friend came up with an idea of moving to Greenland. <laughs> and I think that's, that's probably been among my biggest culture shocks ever it's very different there okay before we move into the whole greenland uh, escapade which is quite extraordinary and i think you i mean you're gonna have to tell it yourself so i mean this is quite the cliche maybe but what did it taught what did it teach you to be on the road on your own as a 19 year old finn because first off people I guess a lot of people, I mean, especially the Swedes, look at Finns and be as these quiet, I don't know, introverted, introverted people sitting in a corner, listening to metal and yeah, drinking vodka. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much me in that age as well, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, here you are, uh, probably sitting in a truck or two on some highway across Europe. Well, what was the sort of biggest learning point for you? doing that hitchhiking and in such a young age? Well, you have to, hitchhiking is surrounded by so much um, mystery. I mean, you, you, you are standing next to a highway just with your, with your thumb up and you're alone. <laughs> you literally have to move somewhere or otherwise you're just going to be stuck there. So you, ha you have to make an initiative. And for a Finn, I'd say like, we Finns aren't known to be the <laughs> most socially gifted of the Europeans. We, we, we like our privacy and we like to be quiet a lot more than the rest of Europe. That's the stereotype at least. Um, and we like our social distance. We, we like our own personal space. So you had to get, I, I just had to literally start making initiatives, just go and talk to people. Um, 
try to try to make sure that I can I can proceed on my trip. And um, I had to make the people who were driving me feel that they could trust me, uh, as much as I also had to understand that the driver was worth the trust that I was giving them. Um, lots of new acquaintances there um, and some potentially dodgy people on the way as well. Um, so I think that probably taught me the most about um, most about the social aspect in, in life that I've, I've so far learned. Uh, for the record, though, I'm not disrespecting the Finns. I have high, I actually have high admiration of the Finnish people. I do. You are, you are a neighbor after all, and you've done some cool things throughout history. And yeah, you are, yeah, you you are tough people. I just want to put it out there so people, so I'm not, so I, people I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in a way, I I feel like that's. So, I mean, I guess a lot of people go to. For example, me, I went to Australia and New Zealand, you know, Bali after high school, as a lot of Swedes do. But I feel that your journey was of a different kind than just taking a flight to Sydney and <laughs> bunking up in a, inside a nine-person nine dormitory in a 300 kroner or 30 euro hotel. Now you actually have to be on the road and... In a way, that's almost like a right, I don't know, a right of passage almost. Well, it certainly was for me. I mean, um, I didn't want the easiest kind of a trip because I've, I've, I've traveled before and I just know um, it wasn't the kind of experience I was looking for, you know, just buying, buying a package holiday and going, going somewhere, quote unquote, easy. I just wanted to kind of shock myself and just in that very limited period of one month, I wanted to, I don't know, I suppose grow up a little bit and, and maybe see life for what it actually is. You, you can't ever really learn to live in a month, but I, I suppose I, I learned quite a bit. Um, And yeah, one, one, one thing it certainly taught me was not to always take the easiest truth. Just to, just to sit in the puddle for a while and just in, enjoy the suck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is a Finn in the forest, though, somewhere in northern Finland. <laughs> just sit in the puddle. <laughs> so in, enjoy sleeping in, in a bush on the side of... <laughs> <laughs> a highway somewhere in the middle of I don't know Greek highway somewhere in the mountains um yeah there were some dodgy dodgy times there when when a, <laughs> a drug driver just literally dropped me off in the just just drove down a junction and said he's not taking me any any further and I was like, okay, um, we were supposed to go to Athens. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, this is all I, I can do. And we didn't share a language. And <laughs> I was like literally nodding. This guy was Bulgarian, as I remember it. Uh, yeah, we literally had nothing in common that I could have come up with other than maybe appreciation for food and just, just smiling and 
I don't know. And and it was it was three a.m. There were no cars anywhere. I was traveling with a backpack, a Fjarrarenkonken, um, where where I literally just had like a bottle of water and a. <laughs> A jacket, really. I, I had no change of clothes there, um, so I just went to wash them where, wherever I could. I was I was a proper tramp, um, proper homeless man. And, and um, there I went. I just took all the clothes that I had and uh, used my rucksack, my, my backpack, as as a as a pillow and just literally went into the bush to just take a nap and wait till 5 a.m. for the sunrise and, and uh, or potentially the first cars. And when I woke up, I was surrounded by wild dogs, just <laughs> literally on all sides, just just uh, howling and barking. And I was like, fuck, this is it, now I'm dying. Well, I, I did have, what I did have was um, one of those um, you know, processed croissants with, with like, I think it was apricot jam in, in, inside for filling. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and just lure them. And I was, I started talking to the dogs. I was like, yeah, yeah, just, I don't know. That's how you, how you, <laughs> I don't know. You, you kind of, um, when you meet a bear in the forest, you have to, you have to kind of calm it down. I tried to calm these dogs down and, some of these dogs were really like uh, skinny, man. They were like, you could see the bones on their ribs. So they, they were hungry, huh? Yeah, and they were salivating, man. Just literally, I was like, this, this is it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the breakfast for some. And no, so I took my croissant and started ripping it to pieces and throwing it and slowly, like, very, very slowly started dragging myself further like closer to the road and um, some of the dogs started like jumping in making the circle uh, close and I kind of um, looked them in the eye you know and just tried to try to move them further I just threw some pieces of croissant further and um, none of them seemed to really like uh, you know catch my catch my drift and, and um, no, none of them ate any of the pieces I threw at them. And then one dog, it was, it was a female dog and you could see it had probably just uh, given birth. It was, it was lactating and just super skinny, uh, came and just ate one piece of bread and started looking at me and I, I noticed, okay, that's the, that's the weak link. I, I threw some pieces, some more pieces at it. And then the others started really like, they, they got jealous. They were like, oh my God, that's, that's getting food. So they started, um, they started kind of like um, fighting within. And then I just started throwing pieces at the other dogs and I grabbed my bag and, and the circle broke and I just, calmly walked to the street and then I sat down on my bag and the dogs slowly just sort of they stopped barking they stopped barking completely they started moving towards me and then they stood at a safe distance and I looked at them and I was like okay um maybe they want to be my friends now 
<laughs> and uh, and it turned out like one of the dogs it was the it was the is the one that first first accepted my my food just came to me and sat next to me and started looking at me and just started breathing like you know you know dogs how do you call that when when they're just like breathing really fast you know um so she came really close to me and and let me pet it and just all of a sudden all the dogs were my friends and I could I could take it easy again so I just took my backpack again and and went took took a little nap again not really I couldn't sleep obviously because fuck I'd been just fearing for my life but the dogs were there to just uh, look at the sunrise with me then then I then I just got my next lift after that yeah that's that's a fascinating story was that the rebirth or birth of the wild man Robert and now you realize I, I need something more challenging than this like nothing else gonna cut it let's go to Greenland I suppose man uh, I'm a, I'm a huge adrenaline junkie, I suppose, but it was, it was a moment to, I don't know, connect with, with, I don't know, connect with something bigger. Yeah. I really... Yeah. The way, the way you, the way you portrayed it was very, I don't know. It was, it was a deep sort of, it was a deep story of the psychology between man and animal but also an animal which has the propensity to be tame because obviously and you it's tamed dog, them because, yeah. yeah it's a dog essentially but still they wanted to eat you most likely in the beginning yeah they they, they there was like this uh scrapyard close by and they probably lived there and this was in the very northern very northern um greece so they probably i don't know they could have come from over the border uh, border or they they could have been from the scrapyard they could have i don't know it, it's after all it's eu that they shouldn't have any any really wild dogs but i don't know just before that we'd been in macedonia in, in Firum, and yeah we, we we'd been attacked by some wild dogs there as well but I, I encountered a lot of wild dogs in Athens when I was there visiting my Greek buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually took care of a wild dog as well. So his dog at home is actually a formal like feral dog or feral dog. Man, that's so fascinating. Yeah, it is. I mean, just goes to show how, how diverse Europe is, right? No, absolutely. A few hours on a lorry somewhere will take you from one culture to another, from women with little white fluffy dogs <laughs> in their hand, handbags <laughs> to a pack of 10 like skinny <laughs> hyperventilating dogs trying to eat my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was when I really understood why some people might not like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah dude uh let's uh let's uh, take it let's go to greenland then you wanna you wanna start from the beginning 
so yeah um the beginning was um literally i just i i just lived in in uk for one year and um it's time for the summer holidays and i was really in desperate need of a job and i felt like um it'd be nice to go somewhere where i could actually make some money as well as uh, maybe see something new and um my buddy elias and i were supposed to do this uh journalist trip to ukraine there was a, a potential story that we were going to work on just to see if we could write uh like um yeah just a reportage from from um from the donbass area and um we needed some money to make that happen so we went to greenland to work for i think it was three months we were there and um yeah we we moved there and we worked at the airport there um doing any kinds of jobs he was a kid, kitchen assistant and uh, i was doing dishes and well dishwashing i can tell anybody who's thinking about becoming a dishwasher man it's not the most rewarding thing to do but if you get paid enough you, anybody would do it and uh after every day of washing dishes for some eight hours i was like oh my god my life isn't just about dishes so I started just doing these long runs in the in the wilderness and and then I I got connected with some locals and yeah I became hunting there um when the hunting season came uh, I get to help help the locals um make a hunting camp and I sort of got I suppose addicted to the to the way of living there then i um i decided to come back the next year do some more hunting and yeah suppose i i yeah i started my hunting in, in greenland but uh, it didn't stop there been hunting ever since you have indeed but before we go before we go into that could you paint a picture of like greenlandic culture and maybe also yeah how how was it to come from i mean finland and obviously scotland and you go to greenland of all places well the town i lived in was a cultural blend of um american 1940s um airport base uh with um obviously Greenlandic Inuit culture um, with with Danish colonialism as well. Um, there was a strange blend of people there. You you still had a lot of American Air Force there. Um, this particular place used to be a NASA um, test site for for rocket launches in in the Cold War period um in a very fascinating place um american hercules cargo planes landing there every week um that were flying from from new york state to to the village 
village was called Kangesluzuak. Um, and then from that place to the middle of the ice cap there to just do some uh, research, essentially. And then further on, further north to other settlements as well. Were, were those uh, um, US, US Air Force planes or scientific planes, those Hercules? Um, both of them, yeah. I mean, um, so, so they were Hercules planes with uh, essentially ice skis at the very bottom of them. So they could land on the ice. But it wasn't really the planes that were do, doing the science. They, they were essentially most of the time just, just bringing scientists to the ice. Um, but obviously I'm, I'm, I wasn't ever flying any of those. I don't know what kind of cameras they have on them. <laughs> God knows, man. God knows. But hey, but at least interesting, it's an interesting place. No, I, I bet. Yeah. So I think maybe we should uh, segue into the hunting part, the juicy one, the controversial Ooh. aspect or maybe of your life. Well, so, it's definitely been the one that um, made the most people on my Facebook delete my, <laughs> <laughs> my profile, I suppose. But uh, yeah, um, in Greenland, obviously, the, the challenge there is that the sea freezes all around Greenland for a very long time. And most settlements are in places where um, you have a long fjord uh, limiting the super, uh, food supply. So you can't get any cargo ships there for all of the year. Um, furthermore, you also have planes flying to Greenland, but very limited um, access. Some of the planes can't really um, land anywhere else than in Kangasluswak. Um So this makes it one of the most food and secure places on the planet. Um, so it was actually the greenest thing to eat meat in this place, um, especially hunted meat. Um, this is actually true to a lot of places in the world, but especially the Arctic. And so the restaurant we worked in was, um, it was very rustique and we, we served mostly hunted meat as well. Um, and I soon became acquainted to, to a lot of hunters in the area. Um, and it wasn't long before I got to taste it myself. Um, the connection to, to the nature, not as a resource, but as, as, uh, as humans would essentially just connection connection to your own food source directly um, and you would have to start thinking like the animals and then moving like the animals and, and um, literally spending time observing every movement and understanding the, the different species that you would be surrounded by and yeah I spent very long in the in the wilderness well I say wilderness but um, well, it's probably the wildest place many people ever get to experience. Um, yeah, 
we hunted for for the people in the town and for for the dogs we had we had a lot of uh, sled dogs for the winter which are still mostly i think they're they're probably the the most secure way to move around cars have so many parts that can go they can break and fall apart in the in the winter so dogs the sled dogs there um they just need meat and they'll eat the snow as well um so obviously hunting is a very crucial part of greenland but i want to stop you there i mean you know but i think you should also explain a little bit what sort of animals you're hunting because Typical game you would you would hunt in, for example, Finland or Sweden. No, so we we in that particular area mostly hunted caribou, which is um, the North American reindeer. In this case, it was the species called uh, Greenlandic barren ground caribou, and then musk ox, which is a very primordial being that survived the ice age, living in the arctic regions of the world um and when you look at the muskox it sort of looks like a buffalo in a way but isn't it just an enlarged like a big ass goat right yeah so it's um it's essentially very far down in the line of being related to goats and sheep um and I suppose like somewhere along the lines to be related to cows as well. Um, but yeah, it's most, <laughs> I think it's, it's closer to, to goats than, than anything else. Than a goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are some chunky boys. <laughs> <laughs> but we were really in luck because um, Muskox, they say, is the closest thing in nature to compare to Kobe beef, and it was phenomenal. It was absolutely delicious. So, what went through Robert's head? Here he is, as a as a foreigner hunting on the plains of Greenland, hunting these primordial animals. Did you like it? <laughs> Well, I mean, liking is a little, it doesn't describe it enough, man. I really loved it. Um, we'd walk tens of kilometers per day. And if we ever caught something, we'd be walking back with the whole animal on our backs. And we would, um, yeah, we could easily have 100 kilos on our backpack when we walked back. We had to take every every single bit of the meat from the animals and we used everything. I mean, my friends were chefs, so we had a lot of fun cooking every single bit of the animal, apart from obviously the fur. <laughs> but uh, yeah, being experimental people, we, we, we did cook the stomach and and the testicles and everything. <laughs> And how, did, and how did the testicles taste? They're, man, man, they're like nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> chicken nuggets? <laughs> yeah, they're like chicken nuggets. They're like mountain oysters, man. 
<laughs> there you go and it probably makes you uh, probably makes you strong as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah i suppose eating anything weird is supposed to make you strong i don't think it made me any stronger than i was <laughs> so i guess going back to your upbringing when you never took the easy like road being in greenland was perfectly suited for you wasn't it i suppose so i mean you would think this place where I was in uh, would not have been the social hub like like a big city like London or or Rome or something. But uh, we met a lot of different kinds of people there. You had a lot of private jets landing to fuel from America or South America even. You just stopped there and you'd meet a lot of people from Colombia and such, such and such. And you, you were never bought there. So it was quite a special place. Um, when I was on the, on the tundra, um, I could enjoy being as alone as a person could possibly imagine to be, probably only to be compared to being in the middle of the sea alone. But you could easily go thousand kilometers in one way and never meet anybody on the way so it was so in in some ways you could call it the perfect um the the excess dopamine rushes that we have in the easy cultures of of the europe and it really it really felt good so there you have it, folks. Uh, if you have any other de dopamine detox, you just hit up Robert and he will take you on that detox tour to Greenland. <laughs> and yeah, food. And he will also cook the food because he is an amazing chef as well. Oh, thank you, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have gone to culinary school. I feel like my skills are not harnessed enough in, in psychology. <laughs> so, yeah, because you used to be a law student who transitioned into business and psychology, right? That's right. But you also have this, like you said, culinary interest and also a photography, obviously. Man, you're quite, you're quite multi-talented in a way, I must say. I just have my interests. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I wish I could I could just cook and take photos all day long. If I could, I would definitely love love to live like I don't know, Anthony Bourdain, just going around in cities and and the border areas of the world and living large and living simple. And then my question becomes, why stay in at university? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Maybe it's the ego. It's, it's, a, it's a simple thing as that, I think. Um, I, th I, think, I think it was lagging when you said that. Could you please repeat what you just said? I said, um, yes, I think it's definitely to do with my ego. I definitely want to get my degree. And 
after that, who knows what will happen. Um, I've definitely learned to write better in in university, and and I've I've had a chance to meet some amazing people. And life is very long, you know. Uh, if we're if we're not gonna face anything uh, anything shocking, really, but uh, I, I definitely I definitely think that not going to school would just um, it would leave me wishing that I I'd, I'd finished uh, a uni degree later in life. That's definitely it. So this is just another one of these phases, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally, personally, very happy you you went to uni in the first place because that got. That means I could uh, have someone to do some fun adventures with. I know you don't like the word adventures, so let's call it quests with. And someone who can cook me moose and give me some... Did you ever let me taste some muskoks? I think you did, right? I think I had some muskoks here. Yeah, I think so. I definitely had some some dried muskoks here, yeah? Yeah. And I also had some dried walrus. Yeah, we, we, we had some funny, funny foods here. You did, man. But hey, that's Robert <laughs> bringing the weirdness <laughs> to a place. But it bites up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, okay, here we are now. So you said that after your hitchhiking, you saw life for what it actually is. And now obviously being on several quests afterwards some we haven't really talked about so maybe i have to so i will definitely have to bring you on the second time to go through some ukraine adventures as well and also new zealand obviously so do know this <laughs> when you said that you saw life for what it actually is and now obviously a few years have passed could you maybe elaborate a little bit on that what you saw and maybe what you've seen since Hmm. I know Can it's you a clarify very, that a bit? Yeah, I know it's a, very, it's a very broad and deep question. But you said after the hitchhiking that you saw life for what it is when you were out there uh, tending to your own, uh, fighting off or turning uh, wild dogs into mates. And you said that, yeah, you said that you saw life for what it is, that obviously maybe you had an epiphany that life wasn't as you thought it was when you were a kid. Or that life was different or something and i was just wondering if you could recollect what it was that struck you or made well you... i think it was some, definitely something to do with um enjoying the uh, well oh i'm going dangerously close to saying um <laughs> living do it, do off it, the do it. Zone, but <laughs> yeah 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 just literally, literally just uh just just go a little further just go go further and um just
run run hard enough that you can taste the bile in your in your mouth it's it's just um if if you're not living hard enough you're probably not even living it's uh it's simple as that um and it's nothing to do with money it's just um just my hitchhiking trip was hitchhiking it's it's anybody can do that um just just go and go and explore a little bit make a fool out of yourself you'll learn something about it and you probably have a great time and a really bad time doing it <laughs> exactly yeah um make a fool out of yourself and 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 you'll definitely learn something more about yourself because if if you don't make a fool of yourself once in a while um later you'll just think you should have done it earlier yeah i think maybe i mean not to generalize too much but i think what you just said there is so spot on that a lot of people and obviously me included as well sometimes are just too afraid to let go and just i don't know push and I don't know, push could mean that you either do something really hard or you do something that's so funny that you might like you said just make a fool out of yourself whether that is running naked yeah. down the street, whether that is, I don't know, taking an ice bath. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you guys in Finland <laughs> does it. It sounded very Finnish in a way. <laughs> it, it, it really sounded like Finnish Unilife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so how is it to be in a podcast for the first time? It's actually not my first time in a podcast. I've, I've, oh, really? done, I've done a couple hunting podcasts before going into deeper detail on, on, on some of the adventures. But um, yeah, I, I always think it's really, really ex uh, exciting doing podcasts and uh, Simply the fact that, at least in the podcast I have been, you never know what's coming. I mean, you might be hit by a train by some really hard questions. You just have to sort of prepare for the for, for the worst and just just go with it, man. Just throw yourself in it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, I have to say. It's been a lot of fun. And here I thought I was special. <sighs> nice. <laughs> oh, you, honey, you're always special. Oh, good to hear. Uh, yeah, man. It's been great, dude. Absolutely, man. There is so, I mean, there's so much more I want to talk about. And I feel like we haven't really gone down the rabbit hole yet and started really going deep into some stuff. saved for a later, later time or a rainy day or both absolutely yeah let's let's do this again this has been a huge pleasure to me um and i hope you got something out of my my incoherent uh, uh rabies stories i know man <laughs> i loved it <laughs> you know that <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay.
Okay, guys, this has been a blast. I really enjoy hanging out with my mate, Robert. And oh yeah, before we wrap up, is there a thing, maybe a routine or habit that you have incorporated in the last few months that you feel have made a pretty big change to your life? Um, I don't know if I've changed my routine that much, but I, I keep waking up quite early um, for some workouts. And that usually gets me to a really good flow for the rest of the day. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, no matter if it rains or, or if it's nice and sunny, I just try to go out and, and yeah, if it's my gym day, I'll just go to the gym in the morning. But uh, recently it's been nice and nice and sunny. So I've been able to be in the, in the sunshine in the morning and just see the sunrise. Now it's really easy because the sunrise is quite late. So I'll be just about done with my exercise in the morning and, and the sun will rise just, just in time to stretch in. That's that's my that's my um, my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Sounds lovely. It does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So so whoever's listening to this tomorrow, you will you will rise at six and think about Robert and make that extra <laughs> push up. <laughs> Do that. It'll 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 change your life. <laughs> and yeah, I believe it. And with that, man, it was good. It's great to have you here. And I will talk to you later. Yeah, absolutely. And that marks the end of the third episode of Everyday Discussions podcast. That was a lot of fun, and I would certainly bring Robert on again because he has more experiences and fun stuff to share with you guys, which I'm sure you would love to hear. And I just wish you guys a great night and stay safe out there and until next time